The dirty secret is that no one's ever going to get paid back. People have the shortest memories when it comes to investment. We just got to get Keith into Bitcoin. Hey, there's a bubble. Welcome back to the Looney Hour, episode 27. As always, joined by the three amigos. We got uh, Rich Diaz, the Tom Brady of Macro, uh, delightful as always. And we've got everyone's favorite boomer, Keith Dicker, back in the saddle. Um, welcome back to the show, gentlemen. Just a quick announcement this before we get into the show. So for those of you who have been emailing us, following up with us, I apologize. Our, our day-to-day careers do not involve event planning, but we are certainly working towards it. Uh, so we have confirmed our venue for May 12th. Uh, it will be at the Sheraton Wall Center in Vancouver, downtown Vancouver, a fine venue. Um, we'll be capping capacity out at 200 people. So uh, 30 bucks a pop. We will have the tickets. Uh, we don't have them quite set up just yet, but it's going to be 30 bucks a pop. Uh, Brenda basically be doing a live podcast episode there, kind of just shoot the shit, have some drinks. There'll be a bar, some food, appies, et cetera. Uh, come out, hang out. It'd be a great time. Uh, as we jump into the show, all we ask, you know, we're getting a lot, tons of emails. The community's growing. It's amazing to sort of see the people that are reaching out that are listening to this, uh, some, some heavy hitters and uh, a lot of people that are just learning finance too. And so all we ask is that you continue to, you know, we put this content out for free. All we ask is that you share this episode with at least you know one friend or person that you that you that you like, and let's continue to build the Looney Hour community. Um, but not to uh, begrudge you to death here, let's jump into this week's show, which is really what everybody in Canada wants to talk about: um, is the Bank of Canada raising rates fifty basis points. We've got a Twinkie bet. Um, I apologize profusely. I actually forgot to go and buy Twinkies. I actually don't store them regularly at my house. It's not on my diet plan, but uh, Rich and I did lose the bet. Apparently, Rich has a Twinkie. So, Rich, uh, I don't know if you have any apologies uh, to uh, Keith there. And and if you want to just quickly inhale this, we'll, we'll get underway. No, no apologies. No apologies. Even Tom Brady's lost the Super Bowl or two. So, I'll just... Uh... Follow, you know, all's love, all's fair in love and war. Uh, I lost the bet. Um, Tiff Macklin does have some intestinal fortitude, apparently. Um, and so here you go. This is a strawberry Twinkie, I think. I didn't know they made looks, them in strawberry. It's, it smells very horrible and it looks even worse. So there you go. <laughs> Just pure plastic. Oh, oh. straight to the good. hips. And it tastes, it tastes okay, actually. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get another box. And it's got this, you can't see, you can, obviously the listeners won't hear, but on YouTube, you can see right in there, that's where central bank credibility lives. <laughs> that squishy <laughs> pink stuff. <laughs> uh, is it better than the wagon wheel? Um, yeah, I think so. But anyway, one more bite. Oh, you can even see the holes where they inject them, them the pink yeah, is anyways, that, uh, this is a kid show, so I'll leave it alone. But there you go. I lost. Keith, well done. Cheers to you. Is that gluten-free? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, All right. So. I, anyways, I, I owe everybody a Twinkie, so I apologize. But uh, as host of the show, uh, screw you. Um, 
but yeah, let's, let's chat about this 50 basis points move. Obviously it's caught uh, rich and I, I think we were both kind of on the fence. We, I certainly wanted to play devil's advocate with Keith. I mean, if you had pulled me a couple months ago, 50 basis point rate hike at some point, I would probably said, nah, no chance. Um, clearly this is signaling something more important. I think my personal opinion, obviously I'll divert to you guys to get your opinions, but my personal opinion is these guys should have been raising rates, you know, 12 months ago. I think they started raising rates in March, which is officially one one month after the housing market, like legitimately peaked out. So I think they're actually making a policy error, which is they waited way too long. And now I think the biggest part of the economy, which is housing is rolling over. I can tell you, from someone that works in this market day to day, housing demand is getting clobbered. It is terrible right now. Uh, new home buyers are dropping off very quickly. Uh, you talk to any mortgage broker, they're not really not really active with new new buyer applications. What they are active with is people refinancing, trying to lock in the sort of you know newfound equity they've create out of thin air over the last 18 months. And really the only thing that's kind of supporting the housing market is uh, low inventory uh, because the, the, the shelves got picked dry over the last 24 months and it's going to take some time to rebuild that inventory. So you're still seeing, you know, the occasional house go into multiple offers, but like we're already seeing housing come off, housing demand slowing very quickly. And you're seeing prices like in the frothiest of markets. So, you know, suburban markets or prices are already off five to 10% in the last six to seven weeks. So, and now we're raising 50 basis points. We're probably going to get more hikes. I think, you know, Keith and I, we talked about this off air, which is they're going to keep raising rates until something breaks. And, and maybe that's, they induce a recession or something happens in financial markets but it seems to me like their their intent here is to send us into a recession. And so I'd love to kind of get your guys' thoughts on how you're you're looking at this. Um, I think these guys ultimately are the ones that, you know, 6, 12, 18 months ago were saying inflation's transitory, housing activities transitory, it's just pent-up demand from being locked in your house. They got that completely wrong. And now they're saying, oh, the economy's strong. We can handle rate hikes. Like everyone's been stress tested. It's totally fine. And I, I think these guys are going to be wrong again. But I, I mean, Keith, I'll, I'll divert to you first and foremost. I think it's a, it's a gully. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Yeah, that's a good one. So what you guys can't see here, you know, because I think- A I'm lot of motivated be- people on this walk. <laughs> Anyways, continue. <laughs> it's just a gully. Um, hey, I own a boat. <laughs> That's another great quote from that movie. Guys, we're, we're quoting stuff from the big short movie slash book, which is pretty cool. Um, so, uh, okay. Uh, so first of all, what you guys can't see here on, on YouTube, usually the, the video is just showing of whoever's talking. So while, while Steve was introducing the, the concept then of the Bank of Canada and everything, there's Rich in the background, like continuing the chow down on, on the Twinkie. He was really enjoying that one. Yeah, so I'm opening up a second one on the side there. <laughs> it's my it cheat really day. Good. It's my cheat yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. They look really good. By the way, so when you see these guys in Vancouver, you you notice that two of us are extremely fit looking, and then then there's me. So uh, that's what we'll have going. Um, 
Let's see. So, so what's really interesting with the Bank of Canada's movement yesterday, we would go into that. But first of all, I want to let everyone know that the details of what the market is, is pricing in going forward. And, and very, so right now we're at 1%. Are we at one? We're at, uh, we're at, 1%. Yeah, we're yeah. at 1% right now. So right now, the market is basic, basically pricing at 1% probability by October. So that's four more meetings from now. We're going to be at 2.5%. So 150 basis points of hikes. So go in the order of uh, 25 basis points for the June meeting. 50, that's half 100 for July. Another 50 for September, the 25 <laughs> in October, and then no hike at Christmas time, because you know they don't want to do that thing at Christmas time for everyone. So one thing that we started talking about uh, when we when we started to, you know, doing the Looney Hour chat, we say, you know, the central bank, they'll keep hiking until they get stopped out, until something happens in, in the marketplace to do that. And uh, so with, with ICEP, that's, that's the path we continue to expect all central banks to go on. So including the Bank of Canada, the Fed, the Aussies. This morning, the, the Europeans, they did a, a bit of a belly flop. But we, we'll talk about those guys as well. They're trying to go down that path. But folks... New Zealand? And, yeah, New Zealand did a surprise 50 basis points hike uh, mm -hmm. yesterday, the day before. I forget which day it was. But everyone, the entire Western world, uh, they're raising rates and they want to do it. And uh, the Chinese will be cutting rates because their currency is pegged to the dollar. So they have to try to offset that. We need to talk about Shanghai, the lockdown as well. Uh, but right now, though, uh, like, it, and so the main, my main critique of central bankers, it doesn't matter if, if it's the Canadians or, or the Europeans or, or, or the Yanks, they believe they can control the economy and inflation. They firmly believe that. And even this morning, uh, with, with the and ECB, climate change, yeah, they can <laughs> they can control the weather as well. Uh, but with the even with the ECB this morning, I forget the exact quote from uh, Lagarde, but but effectively she said we have a very high degree of, of confidence in our skills or something to, to that. I, I tweeted that out. I forget what it was, but they believe they can do this and. And that's it. So like the question I would ask any of these guys, if I'm in the presser and I was allowed to ask one question, um, I, I would I would present them the storyline or the narrative and, and the evidence and data that, you know, what if you're wrong? What if you guys cannot? You, the very basic and premise of your existence as policymakers is, is based on a false foundation. But they don't believe that. So therefore, with inflation raging around the world, it's, it's irrelevant what or how it was caused by. Uh, these guys, they, they continue to believe that they're going to be able to control it, dampen it, you know, by turning the interest rate dial. And of course, there's another way that they can, they can fix as well, which we, we talk about directly and indirectly sometimes as well, which, I, which is all I, what I think the Americans will, will try to do. But we'll get into that as well. I think Rich has finished. Rich, yeah. <laughs> well, I just so I think the other thing um, which uh, we've we haven't mentioned yet is that the BOC will stop. Uh, will no uh, maturing government bonds will no longer be replaced. Is that it? Um, so I think that that's so letting their so after 
After absorbing after absorbing 90 yeah. like 92 percent of all of the government bond issuance for the better part of two years they're gonna stop doing that and and let the the let the maturing bonds roll over which Whoa, is the who, end of who's sorry? gonna fund who's gonna fund jag meets dental care i mean yeah well i know they're gonna raise taxes on trucks that are used <laughs> to build all the houses that we're supposed to um all, all these new policies but anyways um you know they're gonna stop they're gonna end quantitative easing or whatever by letting the maturing bonds um sort of roll off and not be replaced so that's just a little bit of a wrinkle i think that's important um the other thing i think the other the other thing i think is worth noting is that real interest rates so what are real interest rates real interest rates are interest rates whether it's prime or whether it's you know your your um your mortgage rate or in this case the main policy rate or overnight target rate um minus inflation and we know inflation is you know 5.6 or whatever it is or 5.9 or depending on its core or headline um uh, core is a bit lower sorry 3.9 but anyways um my point is that the the real interest rate is still deeply negative um and so that's so even though we've raised rates by 50 basis points it's important to remember that real rates are still really really negative and on that basis money is still easy um, and the last thing I just wanted, but Keith, you mentioned that the, 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 the ECB said that they, they think they have the power. I would just say, what do, what do you expect them to say? You know, like Tiger Woods was in the Masters last week. I don't know if you guys like golf or not. I'm not a big golf fan, but I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan. And they asked him, uh, so Tiger, do you think you can win? And then he said, yeah, of course I can think I can win. And it's like, that's, that's the answer. What else? Because he said, no, I, I got up today and expecting to lose. I think the central banks operate the same way. I think, you know, gun to the head. I don't think they believe they have any input or effect on on the stuff. But the, I mean, if they say it out loud that they think that they're useless, I mean, <laughs> then they have to hand back their salaries. And Steve, I don't know. What well, do you think yeah, about that? I, I mean, I don't know if Keith's chomping at the bit there, but I'd love to. I'd love to sort of. I'd love to expand on this a little bit further, um, just because. So everyone, you know, I, I mean, I was it was a field day on Twitter yesterday. Just, I was just getting dunked on all left, right, and center. Uh, Cause everyone's like, you guys said rates can't go up. And, and I was like, okay, well, first of all, let's clarify this. We had, I think, I think all of us, I remember, I think of what in January we did the show. I think we were all making our predictions. I think we all pretty much had three to four rate hikes. Yeah, that's right. From the BOC this year. So they threw in a 50 there. So they're basically already at three this year. So I guess we've got technically got one more left in me and then I get, then I lose, but, but also um, it's only, it's only April. So I would just, before everybody continues to dunk on you, let's wait until, you know, December 31st comes around before. Yeah. Yeah. Think. Let's I wait mean, and see. Like I said, I'm only just watching the housing market going, okay, this thing's slowing pretty fast. Um, but like everyone's like, yeah, you know, their job is to fight inflation and that's their only job. They need to stop supporting the housing market. And I get it. It's like, yeah, I don't think our housing market needs more support, but uh, it kind of begs the question, like, is your job as a central banker really to fight inflation when like, you know, debt to GDP, debt to GDP is at 350%? Like, is it really f to fight inflation? Or are you more like basically trying to maintain financial stability? I mean, I'm going to step in here and then I'll be really quick. And then Keith, I know you want to say something, but uh, so just to be clear, their mandate is price mandate. stability. Um, in Canada, the, the target is 2% with a 1% range. So from 1%, yeah, that's the official target. Now, we talked about this a couple of months ago that the 
the federal government in their infinite wisdom wants to do a dual mandate sort of by the back door. What's a dual mandate, which is full employment, which is, you know, having an employment component or labor market component be part of the mandate. But right now it still is only the inflation targeting. So yes, that is their job. Um, you know, and then Keith will tell us whether or not he thinks it's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, that's their job officially in paper, right? Like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm going to kick you under the table. Uh, and again, I don't know, Keith, what are you, what are your thoughts? I mean, so first of all, um, I think if you, you know, Tiger Woods, he's going to say, yeah, of course I can win. But if you chat with any professional athletes, especially in like for pro golf, they know whether they have a shot to win right. something or not. Right. So behind the scenes are like, man, I don't have a chance to win this. Uh, central bankers, I don't believe they talk that way. I really think behind the scenes, they're, they're sitting down and they really truly believe they're able, you know, to move the levers of, of the economy to uh, influence it in, in a good way or a bad way. One incredibly important concept for everyone to know and just remind everyone. And this, this goes along with, uh, you know, with a lot, a lot of the, uh, you know, the big, Bay Street banks, how they look at things. None of them will ever forecast a crisis of any kind. They, they never do it, and they're always proactive. So for everyone forecasting the central bank, so for the Bank of Canada to get up to you know, 3% and overnight rates without some kind of accident happening, it's because they just don't believe an accident can happen. And, and I think that's the difference between TV and reality. Um, with reality being that, you know, something will get pushed off here. So, so Steve, a question for you, Steve. Um, you, you said demand has dropped, you know, quite sharply o- over the last X days or weeks, whatever, whatever it's been. Has, has that been driven by, you know, the, the last rate hike or like what, what's been, what, why did demand dry up so, so quickly? Um, I just think it's basically been like two years of pulled forward demand um two years of pulled forward demand and i think like ultimately like markets just end up just kind of exhausting themselves like we saw this in 2016 where the market just exhausted itself and so like i said the market ultimately just like prices just ripped they went like exponential like blow off top in january february and i think like that was really it. And now I think it's a lot of it now it's, it's becoming a sentiment thing, right? So then in March, you get the first rate hike, you have a huge move in, in the five-year fixed mortgage. Um, and now it's just like a sentiment thing where everybody's like reading the news being like, hey, rates are going up. Like, oh my gosh, have you seen five-year fixed mortgage rates? Like, wow, 4%. And, and so now everyone's like, instead of this, like, well, I better get into the market because like prices are going to go up every single month. Everyone's now like, well, maybe I should wait, see how this plays out. And so I just think like so much like maybe what central bankers miss or and these economists is like they, they're missing like the sentiment and psychological impact because like especially housing, it's such an emotional asset, right? Like when people see prices going up and they fear that they're not going to be able to like shelter their family, they get nervous they panic and so they they make irrational decisions and they get into bidding wars and pay hundred thousands of dollars over the asking price and like i said now when when things change they go oh prices come come down like i don't want to be buying at the top of the market now everybody's moved to the sidelines and so i think that's a big thing i think like obviously when i mean if you take the typical mortgage payment in vancouver so i would say and this might sound kind of crazy for people that aren't in say vancouver or toronto but I don't think it's unrealistic 
when your your benchmark price in Vancouver is about 1.3 million, let's say the typical person takes on a $900,000 mortgage. Not unrealistic, very I would say quite common in this market. $900,000 mortgage at, you know, two and a half percent mortgage rates six or seven weeks ago. Today they're at four. I mean, that's $700 a month difference in your mortgage payment. $700. So it's like, well, where's the demand coming from? And so this is why I have this like argument with one of these economists on Twitter the other day was like, he was like, oh, you know, I see the Bank of Canada is going to get to 3%. That's my call. And I said, okay, cool. Like what? So I, I'm okay with that. So let's just, play the devil's advocate here. So you're saying the overnight rate gets to 3%. In that view, how much do you think prices come down? House prices nationally? And he goes, well, none. I was like, what do you mean none? <laughs> you know, he's all, oh, well, you know, we got immigration and household savings rates are high and the balance sheets are strong. And I'm like, I don't know what you're looking at, but like, all I can tell you is like activities plummeting and prices in the suburbs are down five to 10% already. And we haven't even really we've just, we're just getting started. So I'm actually extremely bearish and pessimistic on housing. Currently I was super bullish as everybody knows over the last two years, I'm extremely bearish because I think that central bankers, as Keith said, are going to keep going until something breaks. I think it's going to be a policy error. They're going to be way too slow at hitting the, hitting the brakes or hitting the pause button. Um, just like they were way too slow in, in raising rates, you know, what they should have been done is cooling the housing market 12 months ago. Steve, just, just to reiterate, so what I heard from you then is that the um, your mortgage payment uh, from before rates started going up to, I guess, yesterday before we had the the, the rate hike, for the average mortgage of $900,000, your payment is $700 more a month if you're getting it today versus a month ago. Yeah, exactly. Like So to frame that up, just again, so everybody understands, if you're like a prospective home buyer, and you got to buy, so you got to get a new mortgage. You were at 2.5, six to seven weeks ago. Today, you're at 4% on a 900K mortgage. That's $700 extra per month in your monthly mortgage payment. And you're getting the exact same house. Let's look at it from a different perspective. Let's just say your, your payment stays the same. How much has your ability to borrow been reduced? So instead of 9 million, maybe now it's what, 8? 50, 860? Uh, well, yeah. So, no. So, a little bit of caveat there is that they, so we have the mortgage stress test, which is actually brings up to another fantastic point. So, the mortgage stress test, the minimum, so they always qualify you. So, if you're borrowing at 1.5% mortgage rate or 3% or whatever, they always qualify you at a minimum of 5.25%. So, they say, well, how much can you afford if mortgage rates were 5.25% minimum? So it's your, it's, that's the minimum rate or it's your contract rate plus 2%. So what that means is now that mortgage rates are four, if you say, I'm going to go and get a fixed mortgage rate today, they're going to stress test you not at 5.25, but they're going to stress test you at 6%. So you've lost purchasing power, which is why you're seeing more people now go variable rate because the variable is still only 2.5%. Uh... And so they're saying, well, I better go variable because then I can qualify for more because if I go fixed, I get stress tested at a higher number. You know, you just reminded me of- <laughs> The light bulb Rich, just went Rich off for dreaming. me. <laughs> Rich is dreaming about twink. Rich. And again, if you're not watching the YouTube, you, you have some twinky cream up on your face. Huh? <laughs> no, I just- <laughs> 
Thank you. Can I add something there Thanks, quickly? Mom. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. Uh, so I was laughing because I'm watching this Bank of Canada presser and like Tiff Mackham like dodges the question, gives it to Carolyn Rogers there. And because they're asking her about the housing market. And she goes, well, you know, we see housing activity, housing activity moderating. It will remain high. And we don't see this being a drag on the economy. And oh, by the way, you know, all these borrowers are stress tested so they can with they can they can weather higher interest rates. This is not a problem, guys. And I'm going the stress test is the biggest joke of a policy because, okay. Every young, particularly young buyers in, in like Vancouver, Toronto, which is like your two biggest, most important housing markets in the nation, all of them obviously are making like, you know, what's a new buyer making like 60, 70, 80,000 bucks a year. You're like, you can't even get a condo for like half a million bucks. So they all have to basically get their parents to co-sign their mortgages. And every parent basically hands little Johnny a hundred thousand dollar check as a gift down payment. And so like, that's how they get around the stress test is to get mom to co-sign the mortgage. And mom also hands a hundred thousand dollar check. And now Johnny like is, is it affords and is stress tested for that condo purchase? Like, are you actually stress testing Johnny? Like, no, you're stress testing his entire family. Like Johnny can't afford rates at five and a half percent if they go up. But like, this is what the policymakers are saying. It's insane. But can I, so then that can, can I, can I circle back just to Keith's comment? Cause sorry, Keith, I got to push back. I mean, you, you started out by saying, you know, that the central banks, you know, they don't have as any control on the market. And I think the, you know, I understand, I, I love hyperbole as much as the next person, but I mean, Steve just laid out a case where they clearly do. And I could give you two other cases where they clearly do. Paul Volcker in the 1970s raised interest rates by 10, 15%. He induced a recession. He was truly probably the last independent central banker because Richard Nixon went to his office and said, please don't do this. You're going to destroy my re-election chances. And Richard Nixon didn't need anybody's help to ruin his own election chances. But anyways, Paul Volcker raised interest rates and induced a recession Two, you can argue um, and, and, and broke the back of inflation. Um, that was a central banker. Um, similarly in 2008, nine, Ben Bernanke, I, I remember watching the press conference where he's drinking the water in front of the Senate banking committee and his hand is shaking. And they're asking him questions about whether or not the global financial crisis is going to ruin the Western democracy and our civilization. And he, you know, takes a sip of water and his hand is shaking and he says no. And then he went to, he goes on to basically execute, um, the you know the the playbook of the 1930s with quantitative easing. So this idea that central bankers you know don't have control over the economy, I think I, I get what you're trying to say, but I just think for listeners who might not be as aware of the nuance, I mean they do. I mean where I do agree with you is they 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 clearly overstate two things, which we should all be aware of. Steve pointed out one, which is their ability to forecast anything ever. <laughs> and then two is, is, is how much they have an impact on the economy. I mean, they, they have one lever, sometimes two, but one lever. And that lever obviously can impact certain buying decisions, housing. Um, but the key thing for all of us to remember is that they just are not good at forecasting or thinking on second order effects or even thinking around the corners, as Steve, I think, has laid out really well. You see that? So, 
So Keep Rich is obviously ahead. having a, a bit of a sugar rush to his head <laughs> right now. <laughs> okay, I want to hear With your retort. To I'm totally right about that. <laughs> Holy smokes! So let's just back up a little bit. Let's just go most recently, and then we'll we'll come back a little bit further. Please don't use Christine Lagarde as your example for a central banker. No, she's an example for other things besides right. banking. So back in April of nineteen, right? So this is before stuff has happened uh chairman powell of the fed low inflation is one of the major challenges of our time you know we we can't fix low inflation janet yellen her only regret as the fed chair was low inflation we couldn't raise inflation uh bernard brainyard she says the same thing she calls for a new strategy to boost inflation like they're trying to increase inflation uh, New York Fed president, John Williams, says low inflation is the problem of this era, right? <laughs> so let's just, so that, you know, and, and people say, oh, well, you know, no one saw COVID, that is crazy, all that stuff. But Well, the Chinese said, saw it coming, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. Dun, dun, and, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and the lights just went out on the lunar. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We haven't I've been banned, you know. I've been banned in a couple months. There we go. There's... <laughs> That's all, folks. There we go. <laughs> uh, my response, you know, again, central bankers, if you really believe they're able to influence the economy, first of all, we would not had an 0809 housing bust. Okay. But let's just say we did, and that's who all of a sudden they realized, yeah, you know what? We can now influence the economy and all that stuff. So for over 12, God, my 14, 15 years now in some economies, they've had zero and negative rates and QE. They bailed out the banks, the auto companies, and, and you name it around the world, all with the goal of trying to accelerate economic growth enough to offset the growth in debt, uh, to help central banks get, get back on their feet, help everyone else get back on their feet. And with their main goal to produce inflation, not bad inflation, good inflation, which is wage growth, which doesn't cause you know, the price of stuffs to, you know, to go up. So think about it. They've been doing this for almost 15 years. And the result, zero. They, they failed miserably. Because at the end, as I just demonstrated for these guys, they all said, oh, we can't solve this low inflation problem. You go back to Greenspan. Remember his big conundrum? You guys weren't, weren't around back then. But back in the uh, late 90s, he... he now his word, you know, he mumbles a lot of things, of course, and he say, you know, it, it's it's a conundrum. He couldn't figure out why growth is so strong and inflation is, is low in the world. And it's simple: you get these very long-term secular movements in in markets and demographics and all that stuff. And if you go back to this, if you go back to the seventies, and you know, you have Volcker. You, I think, if you were back living in those days, he would not be the rock star that everyone claims that he is today. He just got caught in a time where, you know, they had the energy embargo. Life was different back then. A lot of things were struggling and whatever. And all of a sudden, it all rolled over into the 80s because then it was, you know, I'm, I'm an 80s boy. So it was cool back then to do things. But things slowly started to improve and change. So my comment all the time these days that policymakers, you know, they're not able to create this kind of inflation or move the economy in one direction or the other. They, they can change things at the fringe, but... My view is that the only thing that they can create, and they have one lever, and if you can look at their lever, it's not interest rates up and down. It's, it's a bubble lever. And if they <laughs> move on. it, 
move it down, it just means that the bubble is getting bigger. Oh, if you move it up, it's going to get even biggerer, if that's the right word. So you can tell, guys, like I am not, it's not that I'm not a fan. I've met some of these guys before, like really nice people. They have families and friends and, and stuff like that. And they, they really, are, really are trying to do good for, you know, for, for everyone. However, we've, and, and again, to re reiterate this, we've reached the end of the whole, this 40 year cycle of interest rates going down. Whenever there's a crisis of cutting rates and then doing QE, bailing out this and that. And, and everyone thinking that it's a normal cycle, we'll rebound with this or that. I think it's insanity. This, we're, we're gonna hit some kind of bump along the way. And it's a great opportunity to make money. It's even a better opportunity to avoid the potholes. Again, like you don't be, have to be afraid and, and cower in the corner or anything. But just just recognizing that, again, the, the central bankers, they always react. So right now we think the central bank, like again, we'll pick on the Bank of Canada. You know, they're going to get up to 3% overnight rates. And as Steve, as, as your friend said, uh, yeah, they will have zero effect on the housing market. Like, what planet are they on? It doesn't so they do have an effect. <laughs> so, so you economy. just contradicted yourself. <laughs> no, no, but it's the, it's the belief that they can cause only good in the world. Oh, yes. No, we are that's, definitely that's, on the yeah. same page on that. Yeah. I think like, there's just way too much. If they knew they were going to cause a crisis by raising rates from, you know, a quarter point up to 3% over nine months, <laughs> like, they're not going to do that. No, <laughs> again, like they, it's just not normal behavior. By again, and these people, they can make life miserable for a lot of people in the world, and they're not trying to. Again, they're trying to do good things here, but I, I'm just really concerned. And like everyone who watches our show, and like at IceCap, I tell everybody when when they become clients that you know what what's really great is that you know the majority of our clients were all really engaged with with what's happening in the world. Everyone's intuitive. No one has figured everything out, but we know that, hey, don't go down that road. That looks dark and bumpy. This road looks awesome. Let, let's go that way. And But unfortunately, the, the majority, not, not 50 plus one, but you know, like 95%, 99% of, of the investors out there, they have no idea this stuff is happening. And that's, that's where the shame is. That's my rant, guys. Yeah, that's def rant. no, we definitely agree on that last oh, one. That was a good you, rant. You know, what I call, you know what I call those people? Believers. <laughs> they just believe like this they drink the kool-aid the, the faith and like policymakers and and they believe in like i don't know i say they believe in the system they're like oh you know we can just raise rates to three four percent let's go back to normal interest rate policy and everybody can sing kumbaya and you know house valuations will be fine and and we believe in tiff macklem whatever he says the economy can withstand it's all good and I think that's like a lot of these like economists, they're just like the like believers. And I think let's call a spade a spade. I mean, we've been running zero interest rate, a ZERP, zero interest rate policy for the past over 10 years now. You've been running QE since 2008. I mean, it's it's a sick economy. It's global debt to GDP is at 365%. Like it's 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 on life support. Like there is no normalizing policy and going back to like the good old days. Like, I, I'm sorry. I just, it's, it's not going to happen. And so that's why like every time these guys start to normalize policy or try to like something goes wrong, something blows up. And like, that's really like the point we're trying to make is like, stop looking and paying attention to these guys that are saying, Oh, you know, the stress test is, is, 
kept is going to keep everybody safe and we'll just raise rates to 4% and everything's going to be fine. So there's one more thing that I think both of you guys are not going far enough where I agree with Keith hundred percent, which is not only, you know, is their self-belief really strong, but they just never admit when they fuck up, right? Because if I, I wrote down, you know, I was looking at um, Keith Tiff Macklin on July 15th, 2020, he said <laughs> interest rates would be low for a long time, blah, 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 and basically insinuated or, you know, basically not in so many words, but basically tell, told Canadians to lever up. Uh, and well, then not the surely, he actually yeah. said if you lead, because like you look, they, they went deeper into that conversation and, and his monetary policy report at the time, they were basically saying like they wouldn't start lifting rates till the end, till the end yes. of 2023. Thank you. That's exactly right. And then the other thing, so I think, and then, so that's one point that I think, I mean, Keith, you're too polite. I think you should have, you know, stepped on the bug a little bit harder, but I think that that's one thing. And the other thing is, don't we all, we, we how quickly we forget about the transitory conversation that we were told last year. Um, you know, Looney Hour listeners will remember that <laughs> some of us crusaded against that. Um, and I think how many that, episodes did we do on inflation? Like when we first started, everyone was like, "You guys!" Like every weekend, it was like inflation. And uh, <laughs> no, remember that's true. But anyway, I don't. We shouldn't dwell too much time on this. I think that the point I wanted to reiterate from what Keith's point said was, we should be very, very skeptical of these press conferences and what they have to say and their views and um, and 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 their ability. I think that they're very human and and they often they don't they don't they don't act like it. I think. Is, is what I would just say. Anyways, housing is going to take a dump because we're controlled by <laughs> incompetent people. Uh, I don't see how these, by raising rates, they're going to be able to plant more uh, corn and, and wheat and, uh, you know, drill more oil out of the ground. But um, that, that's what they're trying to do. They're going to raise rates to basically induce a recession. I don't know if, you, how, you know, Keith, are you looking at anything in particular right now in, in, in financial markets? Is there anything that's screaming to you, hey, red flag here um signs of stress or is it kumbaya what are we what are we looking at right now yeah it's, it's not kumbaya um so our, our two main equity models that we use and uh there's no subjectivity built in, into it like valuation models or earnings estimates you know gdp growth you know those those things that you know the cfa world taught me a long time ago were the most important and i've since changed my view on that uh but our Dang. two main models that they basically measure you know that this the strength of the market you know based good old housing market stuff right supply versus demand and trend and momentum uh so our two main models for that you know they're still suggesting equity models you know they're they're soft here sorry equity markets are, are soft they they could remain soft we, uh, we're, you know, we're not able to predict, uh, you know, a, a sharp market sell-off or anything like that. But in general, though, we, you know, we, we are being, you know, cautious towards that part of the market. Uh, but on, on the flip side of it, um, you know, agricultural commodities, you know, continue to just surge higher that that's gone pretty well for anyone in that space. You know, we suspect, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, see these movements continuing. Fixed income, it, it's a nightmare, guys. So like, it, and again, if you go back to like any typical Canadian bond fund, the average bond is probably has a maturity of seven or eight years in it. Uh, there's credit mixed in with it as well. I, I'm just guessing, I'm assuming the one year return is maybe down 10%. Is that right, Rich? Do you, do you follow those? Yeah, it's, 
Yeah, duration. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the more duration you have, the probably worse performance you got. But yeah, it's it's five, so again, six, it's, 10 percent, eleven, twelve percent. It's tough. So in in a world that say it's you know is yielding three percent, like that's three years of income is, is wiped out, plus there's some capital erosion on it. And I keep going back to there's a huge difference between the market and the industry. And it's the same thing in, 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 US, in the US, Australia, and Europe, and all that stuff. Um, but the industry, um, it, it's pretty bad because it, it, it always guides older investors, people who are entering the retirement years, or people who are conservative into the bond world because that has the, you know, less risk, what, what they call it. But it, man, if, if you lose 10% on a, like a low risk strategy over one year, that's that ain't low risk so it, it, again it, it's it, it is pretty tough and you know risk only manifests itself you know with with hindsight of course but the canadian uh the banks mutual funds and insurance guys you know you you have a you have a duty to make sure investors understand and appreciate what risk are out there and don't just like flog funds to people and you know, products because you know they're there's three people here at the end of it. So again, very conservative investors, like they, they got crushed over the last year. It's not good. It's not nice. I'm not fun today, am I? I need a Twinkie to maybe make me feel better. Man, I'm like sad just listening to that. I know. Okay, but well, let me make you feel is. happy. Yeah, let's go. Gra- grandma's, grandma's about to go through a, uh, a food shortage crisis there too. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second here. But Rich... Uh, what, what, are you, what well, are you looking at? The, the, the market things I think were interesting. I mean, we talked about, um, you know, we talked about the, what's priced in the Canadian market. We didn't really talk about what's priced into the U.S. market. I mean, it's, you know, it's, a, it's probably another 150 basis points, 200 basis points. We talked about it not getting anywhere near to that because something will break. I agree with that. Uh, but one thing that's, I think, interesting on the, on the markets, things I'm looking at is, you know, we talked about the yen a couple of weeks ago. The yen continues to sell off. So we're at like nearly 125 on the yen. I mean, that's, um, you know, relative to some models, you could say that's like 20, 20%, 25% undervalued, or it's just going to keep selling off because as we discussed, that economy is in, in real trouble. But one thing I think is really fascinating is, um, is the defensive sectors. Um, so there's, there's different types of um, equity sectors. There's, we've talked a lot about growth. We've talked a lot about value. There are certain things called cyclicals that people might be familiar with. Um, you know, cyclicals would be things like industrials, materials. Some people say that tech is a cyclical. Who knows? That's a conversation for a different day. Consumer discretionary. Um, and then there's um, other stocks that um, other sectors that fall into the defensives category. And what are defensives? There are things like other sectors and companies that are healthcare or consumer staples, um, utilities companies are so-called defensives. And so what does that mean? It means, you know, I mean, it's exactly what it says on the tin. Now, does this always work? Does it not always work? Who knows? I mean, you know, that's a conversation for a different day. What I think is really fascinating over the last like two or three months is that defensives have actually started to not only outperform cyclicals, but have actually gone up um, almost five or 5%. And so I think that that's just something um, I look at a lot. I look at relative performance. Um, and so that's really, really interesting. You know, Keith always talks about like not being afraid and, um, ha- and, you know, finding managers and strategies that can outperform no matter what 
um, no matter what's happening. And I think he's 100% right. And, and, and um, that's definitely possible. And one of the ways I think right now is doing really well is defensives. Um, and then also value. There's the growth to value tint. That rotation continues to happen. The other thing that I think is really interesting in the market standpoint is um, we discussed emerging markets um, a couple of weeks ago. I'm mean, not all emerging markets are created equal. Um, some of them that are tied to commodities, um, specifically oil, um, are doing really, really well. So two of the best performing equity uh, equity markets this year are Brazil and Chile. Uh, Canada is actually one of the best, better performing equity markets, and so is Australia. And these are all tied to, and these these are up on the year. Um, um, and in many cases, lots of people's portfolios are down and these, these, these different equity markets are actually doing really, really well as a function of their exposure to materials and energy. Uh, you guys have any other ones? One more thing to, to, to chat about, uh, not a big, big, deep conversation, but, uh, the lockdowns in, in Shanghai. You know, a lot of people oh, yeah. following Good. that. Uh, so Shanghai is one of the largest ports in the world. I think the volumes are about four times that of LA. And LA is a massive port. You know, it's a bit bigger than the one in Halifax. And um, so we, you know, uh, with, with that, if, if it continues and it spreads to other ports, like the odds of inflation actually continuing higher, it, it's increasing. It, it's there. I don't think that's maybe it's maybe not getting the airtime yet. So uh, if you feed all that through, you know, again, maybe it's one of these other events outside of Canada that could cause, you know, housing to, to get even a bit more stress on you in, in the near term. And then the other thing, um, last week we mentioned it uh, again this week. So we have we had the French, the first round of the the French election last weekend. It, it more or less came out the way that everyone expected it to. <coughs> So what over there, um, you know, every every party leader, you know, they're involved in round one. And if one individual gets 50% plus one, then it's over. You know, they, they become, you know, president. If they get less than 50%, then there's a runoff between the two top parties. And that's what always happens in, in French politics. So right now, the final runoff, and what they do very well, it's very short. It's two weeks, two-week turnaround. It's not like the American system where it's like four years running into it and you know, who knows what goes on. Uh, so not this weekend, but the weekend after it will be the second round. And, and right now it's looking as if there will be no change. So Macron will get reelected. However, there is a probability that uh, Marine Le Pen, that, that she could win, I, I think is a very low probability. So it's not a zero probability event. It is non-zero, but a very low one. However, if she does win, if she pulls it off, you know, 10 days from now, that will be, the political event, bigger than the whole Trump victory back in 16, this thing will just rock Europe and the Eurozone. And Monday morning, they'll have to stop trading in Euro. Like that's how- Parity, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, well, I think Euro right now is about 108 points away from our target. You know, that's, that's where- that's What's where your target? 108 points away from the current price. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Like 1%. <laughs> No, zero. <laughs> oh, okay. That flew over your head. The current yeah, price of euro totally. is, is, is 108. Okay. Okay. So I oh, your target is zero. Got it. Yeah, Sorry, so I missed that. No, no, no. Ah, you're too fast for you. are too quick for me, Keith. I know. Boomer is too fast for you guys these days. We'll have to 
slow. No boomer jokes. We'll have to save those up for uh, the event here, May 12th. Wait, there's, a, there's another thing we forgot to mention, which was the U.S. CPI came out, the U.S. inflation. So as Canada, Canadians, um, you know, as Canadians worry about inflation, um, inflation hit, I think, 8.5, right, in the U.S.? Eight, eight and a half. I mean, I think Canada, then, Tiff, Tiff Macklem said that they're expecting inflation to average like 6% in the first half of this yeah. year. So that's obviously which makes me higher. think, which makes me think that we probably peaked on the, you know, to channel my in my inner Keith here. It makes me feel like we peaked. Inflation impulse is probably behind us. Um, Would you not but, think though, from like a rate of change perspective, that inflation basically is as has either peaked or will peak next month? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. That's that's a, that's internally that's what we've been discussing. We were probably off. We were wrong by one month. I think we would have said it. It was this month. Um, but next month, it's just, it's just very, very difficult to maintain that relative, you know, that year on year performance. Um, that's not to say that it's going to make anybody feel any better when inflation hits, you know, seven year on year, it just means that you're right. And the impulse is over. But the other thing is the PPI as well, which is something that gets a lot less press. The PPI is the producer price index. Um, and that hit, you know, 11% and eight, 9% for, for, um, for services, the thing that, that caught my eye was, uh, and I, I mean, I love American politics, so I'm always sort of paying attention. But the uh, press secretary blamed the inflation on Vladimir Putin, which I thought was as big a lie um, as anything we've heard in the last uh, administration. I think it's just outrageous comment, which I just had to, I couldn't help but share with you guys. Um, yeah, it's a part yeah. of the story, but it's uh, just such a shameful lie. That's how uh, the Bank of Canada started yesterday as well. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, hiking. dude, I that's was going, I was going through like left wing liberal Twitter again. I don't really care about your politics, but like, just, oh, and they were saying the same thing. They're like, oh yeah, see, like Putin, like everyone was blaming Trudeau and his deficits, and like, and the blaming t- poor Tiff Macklem. Like this, this none of this is out of his control. None of this is in his control. I was like, dude, you expanded the monetary base by twenty five percent in two years, like, and ran a deficit of ten percent of GDP, which was twice that of the global financial crisis. It's like we Come had, on. yeah, we, we had massive inflation. And massive devaluation in the in the currency, which showed up in house prices, well before this war in Ukraine. It's it's actually very concerning. I mean, some of these people and they're allowed to vote. It's like holy smokes. But uh, just, I mean, that's why we do the loony hour. Like, I I know that's why we do the loony hour. But I just I just to me it's just so like you know he's gonna make fun of me now. But it's just like do they have to lie? Do they have to? Like why? Just be honest with us. We did what we think thought was best at the time. We overegged it. Now we're all paying for it. Yes, Vladimir Putin's a jackass. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> now we're gonna try to like rein in the the the. You know, we're gonna try to take away the punch bowl here. We gave everybody too much. Oops, our bad. We're gonna try to rein it in. And by the way, this is not gonna be easy. Like, Keith, tell me how naive I am. <laughs> I mean, not at all. I mean, you. It's. I mean, it's all always about money. So, uh, you, you know, you have to deflect the blame. So, you know, blaming, you know, th- again, everyone always laugh. Oh, it's funny how it doesn't matter if you're Canadian, American, or, you know, wherever else, everyone is now caught on. To the, if you're a politician and it's your benefit to deflect attention away from the inflation story, everyone's calling it the Putin price hike. And as, as you pointed out, you know, uh, inflation seemed to be ripping up pretty good prior to the Ukraine crisis. 
But now all of a sudden everyone is, oh no, it, it's all based on that. And before that, it was the trucker's price hike. And before, you know, yeah, it goes, keep so going on. I forgot about. about that. Yeah, you're not supposed to talk about that anymore. But, <laughs> but see how, how convenient, you know, it, it is just to shift, you know, the attention away or the focus. And then COVID, which is the worst that's ever been in Halifax. And yet, no yeah, masks. COVID's, COVID's going up and all Shen- Shenzhen. I mean, that could be, I think, I don't know, we talked about it briefly, but it could be. Could be an issue. I mean, there's lots of uh, what is it? Someone was saying like, no, at 19 of 23 large cities in China are like under lockdown measures, and it's like, I mean, last time we checked, is like you know a lot of the world's stuff is manufactured in China, so uh, supply chains, etc., could could you know come under more constraint. It's kind of just, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, terrible time to be a central banker. You know what to say, but um, you know, but you know, we go back to the you know, the whole Shanghai lockdown is is you know, because of that. Um, whether I don't know if I, I think the Canadians would absolutely go back in the full lockdown mode again if if they could. Um, what I mean by that, politically and and socially, that's what Canadians want to do in in most parts. In America, oh boy, you'd have you know the the blue versus red states doing it. So, uh, but again, if, if the Chinese remain locked down and it, it affects other countries, again, we're going to be in this, Hey, here's a boomer story for you. I need a good story. Yay. Boomer story. I, wrap it up. So, yeah. Like my, uh, I've been using the same deodorant since I was like, <laughs> like six years old. Cause I, I didn't was, think you used deodorant, but yeah, I know I was aging quickly. Um, yeah, I can't find it. It's been gone now for 18 months and I've been going now for a few months with the not, hell are without you using? it, but you know. I know, but I'm looking around and say, why, why is mine gone? So um, I got to try to find it. I won't tell you which one of those. I was going to say, if you're going to get, you're going to get a cases sent to I us. Know, by our, our, that's right. <laughs> I wonder what it smells like. It just smells like old man or something. No, it's really nice. It's like, it's like a nice morning smell and it, it, it livens me up. Are you sure I it's can... not woman's deodorant? It might be. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Ice Cap. <laughs> uh all right well we'll uh well i think it's a good way to end it there um can you cut yeah. out the last three minutes cut it out yeah <laughs> yeah hey hey jeff <laughs> our editor there um no just kidding jeff you can leave that in um god bless we appreciate the support as always um like we said may 12th is the event we'd love to see as many people come out obviously to vancouver here like i said ha- throw back some drinks have a good time uh, we'll, we'll announce the tickets in terms of, we'll, we'll basically be able to provide a link so everybody can go, you know, purchase your tickets, 30 bucks, you know, we're not making money here, guys. We're, we're just trying to cover some of the basis. Um, Keith is only so rich. So, um, yeah, May 12th, as always, we appreciate your support and we'll see you next week.